This is CliffCentral.com. Is this thing on? You're listening to The Bounce Show. It's live. Well, not this bit, but it's live on CliveCentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Platt. <clears throat> Sorry, scrap that, delete it. CliffCentral.com. It don't matter to me If you really feel that You need some time I know how you're free. feeling. It was a bad weekend time of sports. To go out searching for so there's nothing else to do than let a bit of bread help you through this time. Uh, yeah, the box were terrible. Uh, the baby box took a dicking as well. Didn't go well at any stage for the cricket, really. Well, another loss. It's a sad, sad, sad morning. It's a sad, sad Monday. But at least we'll always have the sounds of bread. The Euros were quite entertaining. Well, if you like fighting, I guess, in the streets. Uh, on the field, not so amazing. Yeah, I'm trying to find like really good things that happened over this weekend or just things that we can maybe take to propel us forward into this week. Again, the best I've got for you is just the sounds of bread. If your searching brings you back together with me Cause there'll always be What a song. What a band, hey? What an amazing band. Right, so to give you the good news is that at least you do have an hour of sport here. And uh, we'll try to get you through the therapy of the whole session. So we're going to talk rugby. We have to talk rugby. I don't believe we should be getting too much into the Springboks after just one game. you got to think it's like, you know, it's an intro, really. It's a whole bunch of new players coming together under a new structure with new challenges and new objectives. Um, but for some, what I just said there could be... Uh, seen as talking up my ass. The box were terrible. Um, they took a hammering from 14 people, and people must be accountable for that. Or, oh, in the words of bread, it just don't matter to me, and therefore we'll have other subjects as well. We've got Dan with the Conquer Sport feature. He's talking smack talk today, and uh, it's one of the coolest articles I've read that they've had. Basically, um, well, we all know, you know, very sad. This time last week, we're mourning the death of Muhammad Ali, who is no longer with us. And he was probably the greatest when it came to smack talk. There was a guy who just took the whole, you know, one thing about beating someone on the court or on the field of play to a whole new level. And he really was incredible how he can get into someone's psyche. Now, some people might think this is cheating or if it's just Australian. I disagree completely. I think Dan does too because he's written this absolute belter of an article where it's saying that he was the first guy to redo that and the success that he got in the back of playing with people's subconscious was huge. But before we get into Dan, I just want to give you a quick little wrap-up of the things that you might need to talk about for the week or just know that has happened. And, of course, uh, the Formula 1 was back in action. Lewis Hamilton, he is now only nine points away from Nico Rosberg, which is a really big deal because Rosberg, I mean, I think he shot his bolt a bit early in the season. He won three races, and before he knew it, it was like a 50-something gap. Anyway, Hamilton won at his favorite um, track that is uh, in Canada. So it's a good news story coming out of Canada. There, there's really bad fires. Sorry, I, I'm just feeling very down this morning. So I apologize in advance if my tone <laughs> wavers a bit. Oh, this weekend was crap. But yeah, in the Euros, France got off to a winning start. So they were 2-1 over Romania. Switzerland also got off to a winning start. They beat Albania. Wales 2-1 over Slovakia. England drew 1-1 on the field with Russia. But if you just see on YouTube or wherever you go looking at the Euros, you'll see more scenes of them fighting than anything else. It's just so hectic. They just can't have a Euro tournament without some sort of football hooliganism or violence, which is kind of sad, really. Because these are really good nations, good footballing nations. Outside of the World Cup, this is the biggest soccer event when you think of quality and uh, and teams involved. But no, it's just got to be like tear gas, um, and like the streets of, of France, I mean, where they were in, in the towns, just littered with bottles and broken chairs and blood and all kinds of things. It's just ugh, so unsightly. Uh, Turkey, they lost to Croatia. Um, 
lost Modric. They were the winner for Croatia. Uh, Poland 1-0 over Northern Ireland. Germany 2-0 over Ukraine. The big highlights for this week ahead. Spain tonight. They're in action versus... Sorry, the action against Czech Republic. That's at uh, 3 o'clock. Republic of Ireland will take on Sweden at uh, 6. And then Belgium versus Italy. So... Really, really big day today for all football fans watching the Euros. The Belgium versus Italy match at nine is a particular highlight. Outside of that, well, England have to win their next match. I think they might just fall out. The next game is on Thursday. It's at three o'clock on Thursday. Taking on Wales. It'll be very, very interesting. Germany taking on Poland. That's another big game. That's a Thursday at nine o'clock. And then uh, France's next match will be on Wednesday versus Albania at 9. So France looked pretty good. Uh, they squandered a few chances in the first half. But, um, yeah, they looked like a good side. Maybe they are the value of being the favorites right now, along with Germany who started off with a 2-0 victory. So looking at rugby just very, very quickly, we've got a full feature with Juan from the left back. So that will be around 35 minutes past 10. Or if you're listening on the podcast, towards your second half. And uh, we'll get into everything. Basically, yeah, the, the baby box, the, um, sorry, the SAA. Uh, the rugby team, not the embattled uh, state-run um, airline, they lost to the British, the English Saxons, which is their equivalent essentially. But the really depressing thing about that result is that, like, the best sort of thirty to forty players are in in Australia right now with the uh, the English series down there. So the guys who are in the Saxons team are very much just like a third, maybe fourth string team. Whereas the SAA side, I mean, there were guys dropping out of the box side to go play there. So. But a bit of, bit unfortunate, really. Um, yeah, and then crickets, South Africa doing so well against Australia. They were doing so well. They then lost, I think, seven wickets for about 42 runs. That, that tail, if you go onto my Facebook page, the bounce on Facebook, there's a scorecard from Crick Info. So basically it's the top five. They all scored runs, but didn't kick onto the three figures, unfortunately. And then the next five is just single figures. It looks like, um, it just looks like a, like run of ball kind of thing. It's just terrible. And it's a big worry for the South Africans now because they, well, they play West Indies next. They'll be on Wednesday. Australia are playing West Indies today. Okay. But West Indies are now kind of looking more like favorites though because Warner is out with, um, probably off the rest of the tournament actually bugging his finger up. But the, yeah, South Africa, what they're doing that six, seven, eight batting position. Well, they need some batsmen, they need some batsmen quick. But the big highlight for this week and the big thing to look out for is the U.S. Open at Oakmont. Throughout the week on the Bounce and Seattle today, I will be giving you all kinds of tips and a comprehensive roundup of what to look for in what is golf's toughest tournament. And they pride themselves on being golf's toughest tournament. If you break par here, you're pretty much uh, you're a champion in your own right. The rough is so thick. There's some really interesting uh, gifts going around of guys dropping balls into the rough at Oakmont. And you can't see the ball. You literally have a spotter if you miss the ball by like, sorry, miss, miss the ferry by like two meters. It is the most hardcore, hardcore test of golf. And then finally, the NBA finals will be wrapping up quite soon. Golden State Warriors now go into a 3-1 lead. At 2-1, Cleveland Cavaliers looking like the comeback, but then Steph Curry just, he came good over the weekend. So 108-97 was game four, 3-1 up the defending champs. And then uh, Tuesday morning, SA time, 3 a.m. You can catch the next match in that. So that pretty much is your roundup of the weekend sport. We've got to get into Dan's feature with Conquer Sport. Dan, I think what we need to do going forward, we now might need to record um, a jingle of, of sorts for you. Uh, I think that's you know, some sort of intro. Conquer Sport jingle? Yeah, so there's like music. Because I always feel so flat just going, and now over to Dan. <laughs> well, we can, we can come up with something. Do you play an instrument? I am musically cursed. Uh, I was a DJ for like, six years of my life but that's easy All right, you, do we'll, is you take other people's music and play it we'll make something okay i'll give it some thought right so yeah this time last week uh it was quite sad you know this is the thing i always find with people who die when they're old and that kind of say everyone forgets them and then they mm. die and it's like oh this is the biggest tragedy right and you know we don't celebrate the lives of people enough i think when they're living because we all get so caught up in things right at least like death gives us this junction where everything can then come pouring in and one of the big things that came out from muhammad ali's uh life uh, was the fact that he was so much more than the boxer. Mm. And I think, you know, Will Smith would played him in the movie. Uh, the, his quotes have been used over and over and over, motivational sure. posters and that kind of stuff. But as you, as you recently wrote, he was the original smack talk, sledger, like guy who took things to that level. Yeah, he, re- he really did take it to another level. And I think it's because he was just so big. He was just everything about him. I mean, Obviously, we we didn't watch him in his prime. I don't know how old you are, but uh, obviously, we didn't we didn't get to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I think I was. 
I was just born when he had his final fight. Right. Okay. So we didn't get to see him, but but you go and watch videos of him, and and you don't even need to know what he's talking about. He could be a Formula One driver playing any other sport, but you just know that this guy's something special. He's just he just filled a room and was just incredible to watch. I mean, I I spent about three hours just watching him run his mouth on YouTube videos um, in the lead up to this article, and it was just it was amazing to see. It was so inspiring to see a guy like he was just so ahead of his time. And you don't see enough of that nowadays because all sports people are becoming like these carbon copies of each other. Right. But you could just see that it wasn't him just being obnoxious or anything like that. There was definitely strategy involved there. And the more, and obviously with analysis like your piece, the more you look at it, the more you see why he was saying certain things. Like any of his big fights, you can break it down. He would obviously train in the gym to a certain degree. So he would work on certain techniques. And then it would come down to how am I going to get in this guy's head? Listen, um, and Foreman are, are, are just two of the fighters that, that said that Ali's words really got to him. I mean, listen, um, you know, it's, he's kind of painted as this big ugly bear, but I can't, I can't also feel sorry for him because listen admits that, that being called ugly over and over again by Ali really affected him psychologically. Yeah. Just to give you some, uh, timeline that listen was the guy he beat for his first, first championship. That's right. Okay. So he, so he was all of 22. Okay. Right. And Sonny Liston was like a scary, scary dude. human. Yeah. Scary guy. Okay. Um, been in prison. Sure. Linked to criminal activities. Right. He was a badass dude. Yeah. Arguably the hardest hitter in world heavyweight boxing. And here he is, 22 years old, just talking smack and <laughs> just calling him big and ugly and how he's going to use him as a rug. <laughs> that takes big balls. Huge, because huge balls. In, in saying that, what's your opponent going to think? Firstly, what the hell? This guy's actually bad-mouthing me. And secondly, he must have amazing confidence in balls. Like right. This guy must be a really good boxer because there's no way he's going to run his mouth off like this if he's not really decent. Look, and I think, I think you can't, you can't run your mouth without being good. I mean, how many, how many athletes have run their mouths? If, if Muhammad Ali got knocked out in the first round, went on to have an average career, never became world champion, we wouldn't be talking about how he ran his mouth. He would just be this, this cocky youngster. So if you're going to run your mouth, you have to be good. You have to be the greatest. And as Ali said, he, he called himself the greatest before he was. He just happened to also be a very good boxer. I think that, I, I, I'm not too sure how much the one fed the other, but it's definitely, they, they're both entwined in the story of Muhammad Ali. Well, I'm glad you bring up the point, one fed the other. Uh, it's something that I've always thought about. And I think like we've had this chat before about people say someone's arrogant. Other people say that's just what you've got to believe in. Okay? Sure. So the whole <clears throat> thing about self-belief, just look at the spring box over the weekend. I mean, I didn't know what the mindset was there, but there was no smack talk. Um, there, it was all like a look and see. And then at the yeah. end of the day, we looked and we saw a scoreline, which we didn't care about. But now with Ali, you've always got to back yourself up. So if you are pitching yourself like this, mm. then you have to you have to rise yourself to the level. Like um, if you look at Ronaldo, he's kind of similar. Sure. He's been quite outlandish <clears throat> about that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Tiger Woods wasn't much of a smack talker, but the thing is, he didn't have to because he knew he was the best. But but he he, he wasn't really in a sport where that would come out. But he but he he, he kind of did in his own way. I mean, golf is obviously reserved in in combat sports like boxing and MMA. I mean, if you look at Conor McGregor, because of the nature of the sport, where the the goal is to hurt some another human being, it it allows itself for bigger smack talk in a way. But Tiger Woods in his own way was, was never blasé by the fact that he considered himself the greatest and the way he carried himself. I mean, even just, I'm going to wear a red shirt and black pants in the final day. That, that is, it's almost like subtle smack talk, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. golf smack talk. It's, it's a, it's like, it, like a posturing of sort of sorts. Exactly. Exactly. So I, th- I think, I think to be the greatest, I, I see no shame in calling yourself the greatest. And it's such a pity that today you get these co- cookie cutter athletes who are just kind of, supposed to say the right things and and if if they venture off that or or start speaking like anywhere near Muhammad Ali they're told to keep quiet and sit down and they as if as if this Corinthian ideal of of what an athlete is still exists well exactly it's always two um there's two sides to this I think the the sporting media the sporting public okay um loathe to say we because I think I'm slightly better than just the average person right well not better just I have a more informed opinion about something sure but there's no like I totally agree you can't crucify people if they want to get their opinions out sure you can rag them whatever because yeah. that's the nature but they must never be vilified it's a very good point um, you know like Muhammad Ali one of the quotes actually in your article he was saying that it, it ain't bragging if you can back it up sure so that everyone is entitled to do this if they fall on their ass and they get beaten well Sport will sort them out. Exactly. But I, I think it totally should be should be suggested. Now, looking at SA Sport, do you think this is something that we should be mindful of? 
I would, I would love to see a South African sportsman walk out there and just be full of bravado. Be, you know, if, if, if being a Springbok and being a Protea and playing for Bofana Bofana means a lot. And, and first of all, we, we, we love these characters in sport. That's why we talk about them so much. And yet, whenever one of our own tries to be that kind of person, we shut them down. We tell them to sit down. I'm like, we don't like that. Yet at the same time, we, we glorified in other ways. I would love to see the South African public let Abe de Villiers stand up and be like, you know what? I am the world's best batsman. Or let, let, uh, I mean, wouldn't you love to see more? If Morning Morkel had a bit of this, he would be the, the most terrifying bowler in the world, but he doesn't because South African athletes are told to be good and be quiet and say the right things and yeah, shake hands. It's like, you know, be respectful, thank Jesus, and then r- rinse and repeat. Wouldn't you love to see a bit of chutzpah in our, in our athletes the way Muhammad Ali had? Well, this is why I really wanted to talk about this, the subject with you this morning is that I think our sport is hit like a, it's saying hitting the skids is maybe a bit, a bit strong just yet, but it's definitely plateaued to the point where it can only maybe go down from here. I, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Sure. So maybe. being mindful of these kind of things, like, cause as you say, sport is about beating someone. In yeah. the physical sense, obviously it's really physically beating them, but you need to beat someone. Okay. So we can't all be friends. This mm. isn't the IPL. We're not all friends here. There's no Kingfisher Fair Player Award for life. We need to beat people and get in the, in the habit and the culture of beating people. But where would this kind of start though? Like how, how do you, how do you incorporate more of this into a sporting structure? I think I, I can think of an example. Um, I used to play. Um, cricket at Wits with Eddie Lee who's now playing for the Lions and is yeah. in and out of the SAA side and here was a young black leg spinner who could have been playing for South Africa for five years by now but because at that age he was full of bravado and kind of said the wrong things and rugged people up the wrong way he just wasn't selected for any sides where he could develop and what a show. because of his personality and, and while it was it was difficult to play with Eddie at times his talent was what was you know you could no one could question it so but because he didn't quite fit the mold of, of what we envisaged a South African sportsman to be he was never selected and until he went and rectified that part of his game then only he was selected but we've wasted 5 years of this guy and he he mightn't I mean, he's, he's played for the Proteas once or twice, I think, before, but this is a guy who could, who could have been a legend, but because he didn't fit the mold of what we want a South African sportsman to be, we missed out. And, and I think it's because we are told to sit down, keep quiet, shake hands, take your cap off after the game. And if you, if you step out of line, you kind of hammered back down in this country, unfortunately, with our athletes. Yeah, you really are. And like this, all these sponsor requirements, you know, you can't say this, can't do that. Look, there's obviously a fine line between that. I mean, we've seen smash, smack talk being taken to a new level. I mean, I often think like, wouldn't it be cool if there was more smack talk in tennis? But then there's that, there's that Krigrios guy, him and his mate Kokinakis with, and then, right. you know, you get that element and suddenly you go, okay, maybe not. But, but there has to be more smack talk in tennis. That is a great game for it to happen. Yeah. And, and unsurprisingly, Johnny McEnroe has, has called for more smack talk. And yeah, look, he, he, he crossed the line there, but as, as I touched on in the article, it, that what he said um is no different to anything that happens on a on a on a on a football field for example so it's it's it is funny how certain sports have these certain you know lines that you can't cross but you know i'm not i'm not saying that anything goes and i'm not saying that what he said was appropriate but was it really that bad should we really be chastising this guy i mean he's a good tennis player yeah keep keep him in check but can you imagine if, if Ali was told to sit down and keep quiet and, and, and he was banned, for example, and no one wanted to fight him because of the way he spoke? We wouldn't have this guy. So I just think that s- sport is entertainment and, and it's, it's so much richer for the, the eccentric characters that, that exist. And I'd like to see more of it. I mean, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, for, I'm sorry for Stan that he's, that his girlfriend cheated on him, but. Stan Ravinka, that is, but yeah. See, again, it's like common decency has to be the back burner of all of these things, right? right. It's but it's like, um, it's like when Chris Keynes is someone uh, I can't remember who. Um, it was either a girlfriend or a sister or someone died in a train accident. Well, okay, came out to bat, and the Aussies are making train noises. Wow, maybe okay. the, see, like there, the common decency out of the window, and then suddenly this is a gray area again. But it, it, exactly, and, and and the whole realm of smack talk lives in the gray area because what's yeah. appropriate for you might not be appropriate for me. Um, people could just dismiss things as jokes. I mean, if you are Sunny Liston, if he if he if he thought being called ugly for so many years was funny, he would say, no, that, that was too far, you know? So it's, it, it just all depends who's yeah, asking. Point. So look, it's, it's game on really. Um, see, this is life though, unfortunately. People get offended over everything and right. there's no, it's a very subjective thing. But like, I could think of nothing better than say, 
like a timid sort of petite Anna Ivanovich, maybe not getting the better of Sh- Sharapova. <laughs> and then as, as, off. and then as they cross net, she's like, do you scream like that in your first dates as well? <laughs> you know how that could turn a match. Have like, you been saving that one? No, I just thought of it now with uh, tennis. Nice. Cause I, I also, I'm not a fan of Sharapova, but like that kind of stuff would be so cool to see more of. And again, it's like, for Ivanovic, she would never expect that. That would just floor Sharapova. Sure. Because Ivanovic, obviously, she's nice and petite and quiet and that kind of stuff. And you wouldn't think that. But um, what about a sport like golf? Because I, I know socially, I mean, I, I play it mostly for the smack talk amongst my mates. But in the professional realm, do you reckon there's a gap for it there? Why not? You know, once once again, as long as as long as lines aren't crossed. I mean, the, the train noise and uh, train noise story that that's obviously crossing a line and and what. Uh, uh, Kyrgios said that's obviously crossing a line, but if things don't cross the line, you know, maybe remind the golfer about the time he, he choked on a final hole. I mean, you might not be very popular, but are we in it to win it? Are we in it to make friends? I mean, it, it all depends on, on, on where your values lie and, and what you're willing to do within the realm of those values. And if, if slagging off the guy who's is just a, I, I don't think you should chirp a guy on his backswing. I mean, obviously that's oh, against the no, rules. As soon as, but, as soon as you address the ball, then like, right, right. Off, but, yeah. but maybe on the, on the way to the, to the, to the next tee, you could just, you know, good shot there, mate, or uh, you know, what happened with that three putts. I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Would you like to yeah, see that? Yeah, I, I really would. It's just, um, I think it's, it's such a difficult thing because the moment you get microphones involved, it's almost like you're playing to a camera. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're playing to an audience, but like, it would be nice to know if this kind of stuff does happen. I know there's a few remarks here and there that go through golf, but there, there's another perfect sport, golf and tennis, two sports. I think they can maybe up the smack talk game. I think, I think the smack talk might happen in the change room afterwards where people can maybe remind something. And obviously people don't like each other, but it would be quite cool. I mean, you know, one of the reasons why we love the Ryder Cup so much is because of the niggles, you know, people chanting USA and the Europeans getting involved. And we, we like that because of, because of that tension that kind of isn't the norm in golf. I'd, I'd like to see it. Why not? Yeah, I'd like to see it too. Just looking at a couple of other um, really memorable moments of smack talk history was uh, when Zidane headbutted that guy in the chest. Matarazzi. Now, that wasn't because Zidane had an itchy forehead. <laughs> you know, there was something that, that led to that situation. What was it exactly? So, Marco Matarazzi, the big centre-back for Italy um, in the World Cup final against France, was obviously marking Zidane and kept pulling his shirt, as defenders do. And eventually, Zidane said... Um, if you want my shirt so badly, you're going to have to wait until after the game. And Matarazzi, like many footballers before him and since said, I'd rather have, instead of your shirt, I'd rather have your sister. Oh. So he says, who knows, you know, lip readers have apparently pointed out that he was, he mentioned something about terrorism and his dad. And because there was a rumor going around that Zidane's dad, who was of Algerian descent, was involved with shady people. Anyway, but that's what Matarazzi said, he said. And Zidane took exception, turned around and floored him in the most amazing headbutt you've ever seen and then he was he got sent to, he got a red card and france went on to lose on penalties but so you got to ask yourself a question who's the winner there um Zidane took a moral standpoint allegedly perhaps around a family issue but italy half an hour later were holding the world cup i would say that Zidane was an idiot this is surely not he he was a professional athlete who played in Madrid, Barcelona derbies who played in heated heated games in Italy. This is I'm sure this is not the first time someone said yeah. some meaningless remark about his family. Just brush it off and, and carry on playing the game. I mean, was it worth it? He's Zidane maintains today that it was worth it that he stood up for his family, but I think deep down inside he he knows that he he messed up. Yeah, it's just, it's a real tough one here. Like looking at cricket as well, we all know that sledging was a big part of that. Mm. And I, I still believe that all the smack talk that the Aussies have done, okay, again, there's those lions, but they, they don't care. But who's been the most most successful team for generations now since basically the West Indians fell off the prime? Well, you it's just been have, the Aussies. You give Daryl Cullinan a call and ask if smack talk um, doesn't work in crickets. I mean, he, he was a fantastic player until he started facing Shane Warne. And yes, it was because of the way Shane Warne bowled, but it's also because of, of how he spoke. As you say, no one was as good as the Australians. And... It happened again in the, in the World Cup final against New Zealand and New, the New Zealanders had a bit of a cry and everyone was like, poor New Zealanders, you know, as if they were being bullied by, by Australia. But this is a competitive sport and, the, and, the, and these are grown men with a lot of testosterone and, and they, and they playing hard. Stand up and put your chest out and say something back, you know, instead of just wince and cower. I totally agree. I think for, what I'm really getting at here is that I think it should be, you're allowed to say whatever and sport will sort you out. Yeah. So if you're going to be really against, go across the line, 
you will get your comeuppance, okay? Right. Whether it be you're going to get hit in the face with a bouncer or, you know, there's be too much attention around you and you can lose the bottle yourself. But sport is quite tough in that you could get hit in the head by a ball in crickets. You could be Pat Lambie on the weekend, take a hip to the face and you're out cold. Yeah. There are far worse things that are going to happen to you than a bit of smack talk, okay? And so th- people must actually just chill out about this maybe going across lines. And I think, I think, as you say, sport will sort you out. Not only that, I think also the talent will rise. Uh, Muhammad Azruddin, former Indian batsman, was playing in a county game and someone was, was chirping him and kept running in his mouth and uh, Azruddin eventually said, if you were as good at, at batting as you were talking, you'd be playing test cricket. And I just think that's that's such a perfect response because, yeah, you can run your mouth, but if you, as as Ali said, it, it's not brag. Uh, what, what is it? You're not. Bra- it's not bragging if you can back it up. It's not bragging if you back it up, and you got to earn the right to trash talk. Exactly. It's exactly. As simple as that. Exactly. Um, Dad, have you got any other great examples of trash talk? I mean, I I, I had a book. Uh, it was all about the cricket's greatest sledges, but you know, like good jokes, you forget a few here and there. Mm. Are there any particular good ones that you feel have, have really stood out? Well, we picked a couple. Um, the the four the, the team of four at Conquer, we picked a couple. Um, I'll, I'll I'll read a couple if if you want. Yeah, um, yeah, this one's from from Justin Wolford. And he's uh, it's actually a uh, Mike Tyson quote. He said, "You're sweet. I'm going to make sure you kiss me good with those big lips." And that was to raise a rudder. Can can you imagine Mike Tyson standing there looking at you, who's already threatened to eat someone's children? Now he wants to kiss you. I mean, one of the probably the most terrifying man. Like I think anything that Mike Tyson said with that voice of his is <laughs> going to be off putting. Yeah, exactly. Um, here's another good one, and it's uh, from Conor McGregor. He says. Trash talk, smack talk. This is an American term that makes me laugh. I simply speak the truth. I'm an Irish man. And I think that really captures trash talk as well. Well, it well. is because it's so much part of the game because Connor's been growing up smack talking everyone. Yeah. I mean, that's just the Irish culture as well. It also helps. But now he got beat. So, so let's see if he carries on smack talking. Has he got the right to? Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. So if he wants to keep running his mouth, he must come back and defend his title and otherwise he must shut up and because he'll be relegated to history as just a, a loud mouth who couldn't quite back it up. Yeah, I find this a fascinating element of sport. I really do. And I, again, like as a South African, our teams aren't involved in this, so I feel like we're missing out. When was the last time we had a guy who who was known for this? I mean, Graham Smith was labeled as bombastic because he he would say things and be abrasive, and you know we, we'd always kind of like cheer him on, but always like while holding a leash and be like, "Yes, go that far, but not that far." You know, yeah. we, there was always a line that we never wanted him to cross. Let these oaks loose. Let Abe de Villiers come and say, I'm the best batsman in the world. Let, uh, I don't know, Elton say, you know, I'm going to go and become the, the, the best flower of all time. Why not? You know, what, what's the harm? Cause I remember Brendan Philander said that, um, you know, I, I've been the greatest domestically. So it's only a matter of time until I can now do it, not make the team, now do it on the international level too. And we were like, Oh, how arrogant is this guy? You know, he hasn't, he hasn't done anything yet. Instead of being like, Cool man, he has a he has a ball. Go show us what you can do. The guy went on to average, I think, seventeen for the first two years. Of there his, you go. And then going back to early point, he had to back it up. And I think he t- he told a New Zealand commentator that it's along the similar lines. It's it's you know stats don't lie. You know, yes, I'm I'm, I'm saying all these things, but look at my stats. My words support my my figures. Exactly. So if it does, yeah, like this, this is the big message I think for me here. So I love my chats with you, Dan, is that like I, my opinion can change amongst these things, but ultimately there's a good takeout. I think we should. I mean, even if it's just the media who are going to help out with this, give these guys license mm. to really back themselves. Mm. This is their only life. Let's just remember that they train all day, every day so they can try to be great. Let them be great in their own heads. If it doesn't work. That's fine. These things will sort themselves out. Yeah, if you if you want to run your mouth, you're running that risk. If if you can't back it up, then you, then you labeled a loud mouth. But that's the risk you take when you open your mouth. If you want to, but if you do back it up and you want to run your mouth, then go for it. Ronaldo says that he's the best. Maybe he is. You know, Ali was the best. Michael Jordan was never shy to to run his mouth at an opponent and tell him exactly what he was going to do and how great he was. He, he is the greatest. You know, but uh, for every one of those guys, there are hundreds of people that run their mouth and don't back it up. But uh, you know, history forgets those people. Exactly. Well, Dan, that was uh, fascinating as always. Hey, um, I got to say, like, uh, you, you, your articles never cease to amaze me, and Cheers, uh, and, and they're actually just the right length. I, I don't like a long read. I got to say, I, I think like everyone else in the world, you see three paragraphs without bullet points or a picture, <laughs> you turn off. But um, I, I do enjoy your writing. It's captivating from start to finish. Thank you very much. Uh, what have we got in store this week on the site for people to look forward to? This week we're talking about. Um, uh, the psychology of sport and how it's all a lie and how uh, motivational speakers and sports psychologists are actually just conning everybody. 
Seems like a good business. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure you've thoroughly investigated this with some points. I know there was always loads of, loads of talk about sports psychologists in golf. You don't hear that as much anymore. Yeah. There was always the sports psychologists involved in teams. Um, Paddy Upton. Right. We've, we've worked with Paddy and, and Paddy's actually presenting at our elite sports summit okay. in, in Cause he was a great example, right? Yeah. But there's never been like another Paddy Upton. Well, because it's hard to do. I'm I, sure. I, I suppose. But, I really, uh, again, see, this, I haven't even seen the thing. And I'm looking to. This, this American that I interviewed is 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 going to uh, give a very compelling argument about how Paddy Upton's profession is not real, which could be quite interesting. I hope if Paddy is listening, I hope you read it. But at the same token, again, I haven't read your articles. I don't know what you which points you're going to make. But sometimes it's just about making someone feel okay. Sure. So if, if sports psychologist or sporting wingman, maybe I could do that. Doesn't have any medical. Sporting wingman, sure. As long as you're making the guys feel good and you maybe it's helping them get to the, the right smack talk content. Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe that's actually your calling. You need to help our athletes become better smack talkers. Yeah. I've got to turn it around. That's maybe that's what I could do. Maybe I'll make my, my mood increase from my <laughs> somber Monday starts. Right. All right, Dan. Otherwise, uh, Twitter wise, where else can guys find you? You can find us at Conquer Sport, C O N Q A Sport. And, uh, I'm at Daniel Gallen, D A N I L G A L A N. Very, very good. All right, Dan. Um, I've actually got a few things to chat to you about later, but obviously, well, yeah. All right, cool. Privately. But, uh, we need to get into rugby. If I can just sort out this headphone jack, Duncan, I'm having massive issues here. I, I either can't hear myself or I'm exploding my own ears. Anyway, that's not for you to worry about. What you do have to worry about is the rugby. Uh, and now what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring in John again from the left backs. So I almost feel guilty asking him to talk about rugby because who wants to talk about rugby today? We all want to kind of have some bit of therapy. And I don't want John to be like the guy who's going to sort it out. But he is um, hugely knowledgeable. I do enjoy talking to him about this. Um, so, but to get us into that, let's just have a final word from Nick Mallett. Um, this Nick goes down, unfortunately, as one of those memories that, uh, we won't want uh, to, to remember. Yeah, I'm afraid, uh, X, there's no way you can sugarcoat this. This was a very, very poor Bok performance. The players must take responsibility. Um, probably the only three guys who looked as though, you know, they were up for the game were Faf, uh, De Klerk, Warren Whiteley when he came on, and Peter Steff de Toy when he came on. But players like Vermeulen, both Locks, Beast, Strauss, Mulherber, J.P. Peterson, Vili Leroux, Dallander, were very poor today. I mean, we made so many handling mistakes. Mm. We took so many bad decisions. Vili ran across the field. Our defense was dreadfully passive. We never got off the line at all. We never put them under pressure. We played 50 minutes against 14 men, and not once did we look like you know, creating an opportunity to exploit that extra man? In fact, our try came from an intercept and no creativity at all on our behalf. The Irish looked so much more enthusiastic. They were contesting every breakdown. They were getting off the line, tackling us hard. And uh, you know, it just didn't look as though our guys were mentally up for the game. Well, I can't agree more, but who ever can agree more with Nick Mallett? I mean, he is the final voice. He is the voice of rugby. So, uh, Jordan, no pressure. You're going to come in after Nick. How are you doing? Hey, Ben. How's it going? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting through it. Eh? I played a bit of music <laughs> earlier. Um, I try to think of happy thoughts. I got out of the right. fetal position. So I, I think I've balanced out. Uh, I think I'm, think I'm ready to go now. <laughs> yeah, me too. Okay, so um, you know, where do we start? It's the first game of the season. Can we be too critical around what happened? Um, like, to a certain extent, not really. But to also a certain extent, I think we can be, you know. I think the main problem for me is, is that when a new coach, the dawning of a new era and a new Springbok coach is always hopefully a changing game plan and hopefully something exciting and the, the very concerning thing for me on Saturday was that I was totally absent. There was no idea of what the game plan was. Our boys were being bossed by the Irish totally at the collisions. We played half the game or a little bit more than half the game with 14 men and we had zero idea of how to penetrate them, how to get, how to get around them or over them or whatever the case may be. So I think on, on one hand, we have to be cautious. I mean, it is still early days, but the other side of me, alarm bells are ringing in that I've always felt that Alistair is just not the greatest tactician. 
and we were clearly outfoxed on Saturday. Well, you say that, and I think that's that's a like unanimous kind of thought from people right now. He's not the greatest tactician, but there he was saying that uh, we weren't following the game plan of kicking in behind the Irish and putting pressure like that. But then again, the Irish were just they just seem smart. They seem battle ready. Has this got a lot to do with the fact that where they are in their season, or would they have basically thought, uh, sort of thought what the box are going to do and plan accordingly? I think we've also played 13 rounds of Super Rugby, you know, so it's not like the Oaks are totally cold. They are further along in the seasons. They're probably more battle-hardened, but they're also more injured. I mean, most of their, their first-choice players are injured. Imagine those guys were here. I think what Alistair is saying about not executing the game plan might be true. I mean, we lost our, our main tactician, which is Pat Lambie, in the 22nd minute or whatever the case may be, and I think that that was a big span in the works. But Alston should have been very, very well-versed in the game plan. I think what all often happens with the Springboks is, is that teams get themselves up physically and when they, when they can, when they can out muscle us at the racks and in the scrams and in the lineouts, then they always stand a chance of beating us. You know, the darkest day in Springbok rugby ever against Japan. That's exactly what they did to us. Yeah. You know, that day we had some shocking calls from the ref and all that kind of thing. But ultimately the reality is, is that if you can stand up to the spring box physically, you've got a chance to beat them. I mean, when you get out in front, it's difficult to catch up. And I think that that's the shift in mindset that we still haven't made. We still think if we're bigger than them, we can outmuscle them and we're going to win. Yeah, like that has to be thrown away a couple of years back because we knew that we, we, we were getting fronted up to by pretty much all teams. And now with another yeah. result like this, I think it's take away the World Cup as one win out of the last six. So the whole aura of the Springboks and the fact that these guys are big and burly and strong and abrasive, that's kind of gone. That's every team. That's like your minimum buy-in to this game of rugby right now. For sure. Going past that, people were saying, you know, they must play like the Lions. They must do this. They must do that. I mean, there's a lot of cock talk out there, which I'm trying to screen out of. But what happened on, from what I gather on the weekend, and I watched this and I, just, I was getting so bored is that they were throwing the ball around for the sake of throwing the ball around. Do you think this has got a lot to do with the fact that guys have been playing some pretty average Super Rugby matches up until now? Yeah, it could be. I mean, just a point on the, on the Lions game plan, you know, I, I totally agree with you. I also screen that out. There's so many people on Twitter like, oh, Whiteley must start. Springboks must play Springbok, um, Lions rugby. But, you know, the big fundamental problem with playing Lions rugby is, is that the Springboks aren't the Lions. Alex yeah. Katia is not Johan Ackermann. How are we supposed to play the Lions brand of rugby when we don't have the Lions coach in charge? It's impossible. Secondly, you know, the margins for error in international rugby are significantly um, lower than in domestic rugby. When you play super rugby, you can throw the ball around. You know, you can kick it over the top. You can have a bit of a jaw. But in international rugby, you'll be punished. So you can't... You can't throw caution to the wind and think that the same style that you played in Super Rugby is going to win you international matches because it's just guarantee that it won't happen. Not exactly. unless Johan Ackermann becomes a Springbok coach and the entire Lions team comes with him, which is obviously not going to happen. Which is, yeah, never ever going to happen. Uh, it's, it, it is so frustrating. But you look at it like, as you can see, it has had, I, mean, I don't want to make excuses, but I just think that going into this match, this, this weekend's match, we'll see, we'll see a hell of a lot more about it. I want to get into the actual team in a, in a second, but yeah, just getting back to the whole thing, they're just throwing the ball around. It just seems so aimless, like they were trying to do something different, but they had no grounds on to do. Um, but it also just looked like a lack of intensity as far as guys who were just sort of going through the motions again. Like, like, did you did you see that, or am I making a lot of nothing at the moment? No, you you you're spot on. You really are spot on. I think that we we lack lack incisiveness. You know, often, like I said to you before, often when it, when I see a team behaving that kind of way. It almost is, it's like a mental problem. I don't think that they were they were totally up for the game. I think they probably thought, oh, look at this weakish weekend Irish side. We're going to walk all over them with the Springboks. And I think that that's obviously a pathetic attitude to have. So I, I do think you're right about that. Yeah, it just uh, yeah, it just looked like you know talking about poor execution. I know the handling was very was very shit, but that's got to do a lot with focus. Like you were saying, there's been 13 rounds of Super Rugby. The guys haven't just come off the beach. These guys have been catching balls every single day, and you know you've got to be sharp at Super Rugby handling wise. And you know, that happens. Uh, turnovers. I think they beat us nine to one on turnovers. Like these kind of things, we can't blame on rustiness. This is a basic focus and intensity thing, and that's the only way we can see it. Um. But what I, do, what I do want to get into now, I don't want to rabbit on too much about the crap, and we all know where they were going wrong. Uh, but potential team changes. Now, 
maybe panic stations, maybe not. Alice could say doesn't want to go and lose his first match and suddenly make wholesale changes. But playing at Loft, sorry, at, uh, at Ellis Park, Emirates Airlines Park, however you meant to say it. Okay, what do you envisage? Because I've just got top of, top of my head right now. I'm thinking Philly LaRue looked aimless. He ruined overlaps with skip passes and he just, I don't know. I, we know what we can get from Villy. There's an X factor ish as he is. You know, unfortunately he falls into that cliche. So he'll always be in the mix. But first up, I reckon maybe a chance for Creel to play fullback because I don't think he's going to get a, a nod at outside center. And I think he was a guy who got into this team because he was a fullback. I think Combrink for JP Peterson's got to be a no brainer. I think JP's, he's tired. He's one of those guys who's going through the motions a bit. Um, slightly more contentious, slightly more debatable is Whiteley coming in for Familian. Just like Creel perhaps coming in for Low, that's Yaku Creel. And then obviously Peter Steph the Toy assessing him to go and partner with Ivan Elizabeth after Ludiago was pretty shit. And then yeah. even as far as saying maybe Redling Hayes for Malherba. What do you reckon about those potential changes? I I think that if Alistair Katia, I, I think he will be making a massive mistake if he makes wholesale changes. You yeah. know, the thing is, is I read about it and thought about it in the past that Alistair Katia was given such a tiny opportunity with Springbok to spend time together that his first squad was always going to be a relatively predictable one and a relatively experienced one. You know, we are running the risk of losing the first home series in 19 years, mm. and Alistair Katia is almost certainly not going to make big changes. I mean, whether whether he should or whether he shouldn't is, is debatable for me. Just your point on, on Billy. I think Billy was lateral and shocking on Saturday, really, to be quite honest. But I mean, bringing in bringing Creel at fullback position he's never really played for the Springboks is something that I really don't think Alistair Kutia has the chops that kind of call to make. Just the point on Whiteley instead of, of Vermeulen, like I think Whiteley playing at home, that, that's definitely a benefit for him. But, you know, Dwayne on his day is our best player. He is the kind of yeah. guy that you back to 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 really come right. And he is the kind of guy that can take the wind out of a physical Irish sails. while I think Whiteley is probably the more flashy kind of guy. That said, I mean, I don't know when Yaku Creel is going to get his shot. I really think that he deserves it. I thought Khaleesi was absolutely invisible on Saturday. And I would really give Yaku Creel a shot at his home run. That's what I'd say. I mean, in terms of the front row, I'd also bring on Redling Hayes. He's the former scrummer of the Super 15 or, you know, Super 18 or whatever it is nowadays. And I would definitely include him too. Yeah, I was a bit of a worry. Like, Malhopper wasn't terrible at the scrums, but it's just the penalties. Um, he was generally anonymous kind of after that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, you, your point is sound. This is a win at all costs game. In, we have far too many of these in SA rugby. The guy's been in the job for a couple of weeks and he's already got a win at all costs scenario on his, on his plate. So maybe the third game is one to experiment, but again, like, he hasn't had the chance. So if you can't experiment in this series, and this is what, this is, this is the big fuck up from losing that first match. Suddenly, Exactly like Australia against England, suddenly you have no 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 leeway, you have no flexibility. So Alistair Cassidy is probably going to come out of this not learning a whole bunch from his players yet because he's been back to the wall from the get go. That is obviously a big concern. You know, Ben, just just to comment on that, Alistair Cassidy is not an experimental guy. He really isn't. But don't think he's very experimental at all. When he was a coach of the Stormers, we had the Great Wall of Cape Town. That was our strategy: defend, play rugby without the ball have a good, reliable goal kicker, and that's how you win rugby matches. And I, I really don't think that he is a very experimental guy. That's just my personal opinion, but I think okay. time will tell. Well, that is very interesting. Um, yeah, so w- 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 what do you think? The Irish will probably keep 15 on the field all week this time around. Do you reckon this is an easy bounce-back opportunity for the box and maybe the best thing for this team right now? I think this situation we're in reminds me a lot of the hangover of the, the box and Japan in the World Cup, you know, the darkest day in South yeah. African rugby, or actually in South African sport, probably. probably. So I do think we'll beat them. I think we are going to up our game significantly physically. I think we're going to work on our set pieces. We're going to go back to the basics, you know, which is Springbok Rugby 101. We're going to, and we will beat them, I think. I think also the problem with the Irish is that they're literally played out of their shoes when it comes to physicality or, or whatever the case may be on Saturday, and I don't think they're going to be able to replicate that. I could be wrong, but I highly doubt it. So I think we probably are going to get on top of them and we're going to boss them around a bit on Saturday. And I think and as a result, we're going to win. But I don't think it's going to be pretty and I don't think it's going to be 
like champagne, <clears throat> champagne rugby at all. No, it's not. It's definitely rugby off the purest. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. And that's just not just the blind optimism coming through here, which I think has kind of fallen away from a lot of Bok fans right now. We know we'd always give them benefit of the doubt, but now it's just like, it's just too much hurt. Too yeah. much hurt. But again, it's <laughs> it's going back to a happy hunting ground. And I believe less matches should be played at the coast. Why, why take opposition teams and show them the best of our country? They can do that on holiday money. You know, and they can boost exactly. our economy. When you're playing test matches against them, I think there should be more more games. Um, yeah, Centurion and and uh, sorry, not Centurion. That's cricket. Uh, Pretoria and Joburg. Just bust them yeah. in here and let them play. And the, with the odd test match in Kimberley, I reckon that's the way forward for touring teams. That's a good idea, man. Just uh, lastly, before I let you go, uh, your thoughts on New Zealand Wales? I, I thought the I watched the All Blacks and Wales game was was quite. I absolutely love the All Blacks. I mean, I'm not I'm not a supporter of theirs. Don't get me wrong, but I just love watching them play rugby. And yeah, the their pick was just magnificent. And I thought that they were quite slow. And I thought if, if Wales were a little bit better and had a little bit more longevity, they would have beaten the All Blacks. I think just on England and Wales, you know what really? I mean, England and Australia. What really sticks out for me is is the fact that it's a very similar team, England team, to the one that was dumped out of the group stages of the World Cup. You know, now you bring in Eddie Jones and suddenly they're trouncing Australia. And I think that just underlines the value of a good coach. It just galvanizes the players. They really buy into what he's trying to achieve. And as a result, it really helps them to step up, step up again. I mean, uh, Eddie Jones is a bit of a, a renegade coach and he'll coach for whoever pays him the most. But I think he's a, he's a fantastic tactician. And I think that, that that's exactly what most rugby teams need. Rugby teams, when they, you know, they're grown ups, they don't need a good people manager. They don't need somebody to ask them if they're okay. They need somebody to tell them how to beat the All Blacks. And that's something that South African, we haven't had a strategic head coach since Jake White. I'm glad you brought that up. Like, people often go, oh, but you can't blame the coach. The player dropped the ball, this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you look at <laughs> the English example so good because there you had a coach and then you got another coach. The team hasn't changed a hell of a lot, but the results really have. Eddie Jones unbeaten seven out of seven since he got there. So, yes, we can blame coaches, I think. I think that people are entitled to have that sort of say. Absolutely. Uh, oh, sport is so difficult, huh? Anyway, John, uh, John what else is happening on, on the site uh, at the moment? So this week, well, Bruce actually, like I said to you last week, Bruce was on the Otter Trail and he posted five posts about it. It's really beautiful. I should check it out. It's got some amazing imagery, self-recorded by Bruce. From a rugby point of view, I have this thought that I really want to post a piece about does size really matter in rugby? And I can give you the, the answer to that already without reading the piece. The answer is yes. So that's something to just look out for on the blog this week. Yeah, speaking of size, uh, I read something interesting recently about Jason Colby and the amount of concussions that he suffered by being fullback. Exactly. In that uh, his move to scrum off might not just be because we want to create a South African Aaron Smith; it's to actually keep him in the game. <laughs> I never exactly. thought of, I never thought of it that way, but yeah, it's it is wor- worrisome because you can be dynamic like kind of stuff. Every now and again, you're in a situation where twenty kilograms on top of you in a collision sense that's like a SUV crashing into a smart car. And we, exactly, all know, we all know how that's going to go in the end there. Cool, John. Um, yeah, anything else you want to push from the side? I haven't actually been on the last couple of weeks. Um, no, not really. I think what we really just want is like, to follow us on, on Twitter, which is at Left Facts, yeah. and then to, to keep reading our, our stuff. We post, we try and post once a week, which is leftbacks.coza. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the main thing we'd, we'd like. It's just people to check us out and follow us on Twitter. Marvelous. Okay, fantastic. Well, thanks so much. Uh, good luck with the rest of the cricket viewing. I know this isn't going to go particularly well either. Uh, it's just tough <laughs> times. Huh? It's just tough times right now. And um, totally, it, it's yeah. It, it's been a dark day, a dark weekend for for South African sport. But you know, the thing is about South Africans is we've got a very short memory, and I'm sure that next Saturday will be, all be forgotten. And we're hoping that we smash the Irish. Yeah. Well, here's hoping. Juan, uh, catch you soon with hopefully some, some more, um, better stories. Yeah. I I can't even talk. I'm, I feel like I'm, like a a part of me was like taken away. Like I, you know, like in those movies where you see those guys wake up in like a a bucket of ice or whatever and their kidneys are gone. That's, that's what this weekend made me feel like. I'm just like a, I'm a half a person today. Totally. And it just, it just didn't get any better. The Saxons and the baby box no. and, and everything. It was just like problem upon problem. And I feel your pain, man. I know. Okay. Well, I'm going to try to pull myself towards myself and, uh, we'll chat <laughs> soon. 
cool things like that so that was uh i really like what those guys are doing and they always give a pretty good balanced opinion on stuff so this week is the u.s open week now i haven't got a lot of stuff for you right now we'll catch up next week if it's really exciting we'll have a golf chat but uh there's just so much sport in the go at the moment and i appreciate the fact that maybe the u.s open might not be the biggest thing on your sporting menu but it really is quite something to watch it's going to be a very unique um u.s open now, if you don't know, the four majors in golf basically all have very different sort of characteristics. You get the U.S. Masters, which is, well, pretty much the whitest thing in the whole world. You play for a green jacket in front of other guys wearing green jackets in a place where you can't go. It's private property. Um, yeah, it's pretty funny. And then you get the U.S. Open, which is played on a ridiculously difficult golf course. Basically, what they do is they trick the course out to make a pro look very average and to create the toughest test, mental, physical, the whole deal. If you win the US Open, there is a lot to you, and you definitely have them swinging by the knees, if you know what I mean. And then there's the British Open, otherwise known as the Open, which is obviously Lynx Golf, and then the US PGA, that's kind of at the fourth, the, the fourth ranked one that's further down the year, where it's a bit like the US Open, not quite as difficult. Anyway, so Oakmont, that's where they're going to be this weekend, the best field in golf. You've got such an amazing, amazing time of golf right now. This is going to be looked back on as one of the big golden eras. You've got Jason Day, who's firing, Jordan Spieth, Roy McIlroy, You've got a top 10 which are like interesting golfers. You're not just talking about old guys in tweed that died a long, long time ago. We've got some real athletes. We've got some real personalities in, in golf right now. So if you get onto the Bounce of CLZA this week, I will be posting various things about that. And then follow me on Twitter at Follow the Bounce and go onto YouTube, sorry, uh, Facebook as well, just the Bounce there. So I'll be posting all kinds of things to get you in the mood there. I've also got a cool competition I'm running through on Superbrew where if you top the Bounce pool, you can win yourself a really great Puma golf bag. So there's all kinds of things happening around the golf this week. And on top of that, of course, you're going to get a lot of crickets. Of course, you're going to get a whole lot of rugby. I'm going to write a whole thing um, about the potential changes for the Bok team. If Asuka should make them, as Jean pointed out, he's probably not going to make them. But if we were to be in a position where we can experiment with this team, what are the options? We're not probably going to see them during this, this test series. We might not see them in the first year. But it's good to know what our depth is because when we watch the SAA team lose to those English Saxons, maybe our depth isn't as strong as we think it is. Uh, we really got to worry about these things in SA rugby right now. And then, of course, there's the cricket. Well, you know that team's got talent, but they need a tail. They do. They need a tail. They've got five batsmen and they've got five other guys who bowl a bit. And that pretty much is it for what has been a rather somber show. Um, again, I apologize if I feel a bit down. It's just the sport really just took me out of it. Just. I feel, I feel gutted after the weekend. I feel let down. But hey, this ne- next week's coming up. The box will bounce back against Ireland. I'm pretty sure of it. Uh, and if they don't, well, you can hate me for saying it. But I'm not going to curse. I'm not going to put anything down. You've got big Euro action tonight. Lots of lots of big games today. Italy, Belgium being the big one. 9 o'clock Monday. And for everything else, uh, keep it on cliffcentral.com. More shows, everything coming up. And I'll see you back here for the bounce show this time next week as well. This is cliffcentral.com.